welcome to 99% Fad Free, the nutrition and health podcast by the nutrition guru and the chef. Thanks so much for tuning in and for your support of the show so far. To start with today, I have a little bit of a confession to make. There's a lady on social media that I've been following for some time. She's bold, she's classy, she's clever, and she's got the qualifications to boot. I've become quite intrigued by her life and and what she's achieved in such a short time. When I see that she has a new Instagram story or a Facebook post, I click on it straight away to find out what what she has to say. And that's not in a stalker way, but a genuine admiration of her skill to communicate health information to all of us and also all of that knowledge that she has in her head. I am, of course, talking about Dr. Nikki Stamp, who is a cardiothoracic surgeon, author of two amazing books. She's a speaker, an educator, and so much more. Nikki and I have been following each other for a while now, and I reached out to her recently to ask if she would be a guest here on the show, and I was absolutely thrilled when she actually said yes to coming on. I feel really honoured that she would share her time with all of us so that we could try and take a sneak peek into the life and learnings of this, what I consider a real-life superhero. She's deep in the trenches of her PhD and operating, consulting, and, of course, doing all of her myth-busting on social media. And here's another confession. I actually interviewed Nikki last week, but the recording failed. Can you believe it? I had tech support working on it for three days, but they couldn't salvage the file. So not only has Nikki shared her time with us once, but she's doing it all over again. See, I told you she was a superhero. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today, Nikki. Uh, It's my pleasure. Happy to do it twice. It was good the first time, so it'll be good the second time. (laughs) I I think it will. Nikki has written two books, uh, Can You Die of a Broken Heart and Pretty Unhealthy, which is about our obsession with looking good and how this impacts on our health. And it seems the wellness industry is making us quite unhappy. It's making us poor and it's actually quite unhealthy for for us. So how did you come to write a book as a as a heart surgeon around social media and how that impacts our body, Nikki? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange kind of um, uh, sidestep, isn't it? Um, so mm. I I started to think about this this idea that perhaps part of the reason that we're not actually as healthy as we seem because if you look around, it seems that health is everywhere, right? You know, there's Oh, God, I mean, (laughs) my house in Sydney was shocking. It was like right in the thick of it. There was like organic cafes and, um, you know, gyms and Pilates studios and, um, you know, uh, activewear shops and (laughs) just, you know, everything that you could possibly imagine to do with health and wellness I had at my fingertips. Um, Mm. And yet at a population level, we're, we're not actually that well you know chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease and cancer for example are higher than they've ever been before you know eating disorders are a real problem in the community all these kinds of things are are growing almost even though we've got this you know constant access to things that guarantee you health and well-being but the reality is is they just don't 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to to think a little bit about it. And, you know, I guess in some ways it is a bit of a weird thing for someone like me to do, to be writing about this. And, you know, as you mentioned, social media is a big part of, of what I've gotten stuck into here. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I deal with health and well-being all the time. Um, and I think I have a, a really different appreciation of health and well-being because my patient's idea of health is is not really anything to do with an organic smoothie you know these Mm. are people who have you know life-changing illnesses um, and health to them is being able to walk around the block without Mm. needing to rest or Mm. being able to chase after their kids or being able to Oh, I don't know, you know, stop taking medications or not need a mechanical heart anymore. Like those, those that's actual health. That's realistic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it sort of takes away health as this sort of thing about, you know, having abs or <laughs> doing mm-hmm. a popular workout or, you know, mm-hmm. posting um, pictures of, you know, what do they call it? Are they acai bowls? Is that what they yeah, call it? Yeah, acai bowls. Yeah, and acai having bowls. the money to be able to even buy those things that are like $12 right. $15 that some people that's, that's their dinner budget for the whole week absolutely absolutely and and the health and wellness industry don't take that into account they say stupid shit like you know oh you just need to want it more and and as you say rightly Mm -hmm. you know some of the biggest uh uh, biggest uh determinants of our health are these social determinants of health so it's i find it kind of i I actually don't find it kind of rude i find it rude rude (laughs) that Mm. they that they say oh you just need to want it more people just need to want it more um and for the vast majority of our population that's not the case and even even for people who do have the resources obviously it's a lot easier but at the same time it's it's so oversimplified to just say oh you just need to want to be healthier it's that's just so stupid um or try harder try harder yeah and and be so more dedicated right yeah. and so then the other side of that is that if you do get sick then you probably had it coming <laughs> mm. <laughs> it really really irritates me yeah, yeah. And and what do you see currently is the unfortunate picture that we see on social media of health that we apparently should be aiming towards? I think there is this real, uh, it, it's a trend. It's not, it's not actual health, um, but mm. it is this sort of um, beautiful, tanned, slim but muscular for women, mm. um, muscular, muscular for men, um, mm. you know, uh, being able to wear a crop top. You know, you have to work out in a crop top, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw your, I saw your post the other day of you in a crop top and you said, rightly so, you don't have to have a six-pack to wear a crop top to exercise. Yeah, that was by accident. I had actually planned on <laughs> running in my crop top. I, I was a bit, I was cold at home um, and I suppose for anyone who's overseas, it was probably like 25, 26 degrees, but I'm in Perth, so I was like freezing. <laughs> that's like that's like winter for us. Um, yeah. And so I started running and got hot pretty quickly and I was like, oh, God, I didn't wear a T-shirt. And I was like, you know what? Okay, screw it. I'm hot and I'm going to run comfortably, thanks. <laughs> so do you have those feelings, Nikki, sometimes, I guess, though, like if it was a hot day, do you feel comfortable wearing a crop top? Yeah, I think that's a, run. a really good question. So I guess a bit of background to me um, and why this book was so writing this book, and sometimes I read it, <laughs> um, mm. it was was helpful for me. So I, I mean, I, I never really had uh, problems with my body. I, I was never... Um, 
I was never caught up in what I ate. And I was very fortunate that my family is very sporty. Um, you know, we just grew up surfing and swimming and, you know, playing cricket and kicking the footy and riding our bikes. And, you know, I, I, I don't really remember hearing my parents talk about dieting or needing to lose weight um, when I was growing up. So I was really fortunate in that regard. But when I was in uh, medical school, I started doing bodybuilding um, and I had a, a personal trainer um, and um, he's he sort of said, oh, yeah, you'd be really good at this. So it's an aesthetic pursuit, right? It's all about what your body looks like. So I was training twice a day and I was eating like nothing, um, you know, a lot of foods that were off limits, um, carbs, potatoes, bananas, pineapple, strawberries, um, you know, I was eat, under eating. I was probably lucky to eat 1,200 calories a day. So for an active 21 or 22-year-old I would have been at the time, that's a not. That's just not enough food. Mm. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, it really sort of started me on a, a sort of, I suppose, a bit of a journey of not really appreciating my body particularly um, and got, often going on diets gaining weight, going on a diet, gaining weight, going on a diet, this sort of yo-yo dieting. Um, and it really wasn't until I wrote the book and started to think about my own experiences in the context of the research I was reading and the experts I was talking to, um, but also to sort of uh, sit with uh, sit with that discomfort um, mm. that I had about 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 my body, but also sort of come to some solutions. So for me, one of the things that, well, if I had to say two things that changed massively for me um, after writing my book um, was, uh, first of all, I started to really appreciate um, exercising for enjoyment and for what my body could do. Um, mm -hmm. So it became about achievement, um, you know, attaining skills, uh, you know, getting better at something, do, doing something I could never do before. That's been a real um, change in my motivation for exercise. Um, and also my relationship with food has vastly improved. Um, so I think that I uh, started to eat uh, foods that I enjoy a lot more. I finally sort of got some of this stupid crap that this trainer told me, you know, 20 odd years ago out of mm. my head. Um, and, and isn't that interesting, Nikki, that yeah. it really did, did take quite some time to unravel all of that, that one person had, had put in there? Yeah, totally. And, mm. you know, I think that um, one of the problems with our, our our feelings about our bodies and about food and dieting and exercising and exercising to work off food and using um, diet and exercise as a punishment is that it's so normalised like it's mm. so, um, you know, you should. It's almost celebrated. It isn't is. It? it is. Like mm. if you're not on a diet, why? Why not? Why not? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. Well, you're lazy. Well, it's almost like if you are not trying to pursue these things, then you don't care about health Correct. or you're not trying hard enough, which is such a shame. Yeah, agree wholeheartedly. Um, so yeah, so I think that was really helpful. Um, and you know, as a side effect of that, I've my physical health has improved quite a lot. So you know, one of the most uh, interesting facts I sort of found when I was writing this book, and it was such a such a boring fact. I don't know, <laughs> is that one of the ways that you can get people to improve their diet is just by telling them to eat more vegetables. Like if they do nothing mm -hmm. else other than include mm -hmm. more vegetables in their diet, their health and dietary quality improves. So that was like, I'm going to do that. 
And so as a, as a result, I eat so much, so many more veggies and I, I'm such a fussy eater. I, I'm one of those adults that I have to hide veggies from myself in my cooking. <laughs> you have to grate the carrot into the bolognese, yes, do you? Yes, that's me. That's me. I like, I like sneak them in um, and I'm like, wow, I'm really gullible. <laughs> you know that we all have such different ways ways of eating but it it sounds like you've been on a little bit of a a a winding journey to end up where you are in being comfortable with food and your body and ripping off your shirt when you get hot and going I don't have a six-pack but I'm going for a run in a crop top because it's my body isn't meant to be I guess on display I'm going for a run Correct. that's what I'm doing yeah. yeah I wasn't out for display there I was out to nail my my previous fastest time I did ah. it but that's okay <laughs> there you go and so what are the consequences that social media can have on our health both physically and psychologically yeah, I think this is a really good question. So I think it's important to sort of say that a lot of the messages that are on social media um, around our bodies and around health, they're not, they're not actually new. They just are delivered in a way that gives them so much more reach. Um, and, you know, we're, we're all constantly connected and constantly online. So they they have the ability to to really permeate our, our lives and our thoughts a lot more than, say, you know, magazines did in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, in terms of some of the health problems, so if we start with, you know, physical health, so, you know, fitspiration, for example, um, is something that can have can have some positive effects. It can be motivating for some people, um, but it also can actually be quite detrimental. It can lead to you doing less exercise. Um, it can uh, lead to disordered eating, dangerous dieting. Um, it can obviously provide a significant amount of misinformation, not just around diet and exercise, but around all aspects of health. And I think mm. we're seeing that quite a bit um, in the current climate with COVID-19. People become very aware of like stupid things that people are telling you to do. <laughs> um, and um and of course, the, the the psychological impacts. You know, we know that uh, social media use is associated with anxiety and depression, and that's um, the more you use it, the more uh, you are likely to have those uh, issues. Um, for women, you know, exposure to thin ideals, so thin, beautiful bodies, um, can result in you know issues with. Um, uh, body image um, that so that there's that from a psychological point of view I don't want to like completely poo-poo um, social media from a health perspective because there are some advantages I mean for example again we're seeing this a lot at the moment you know gyms are closed so there mm. are just so many free resources that people have put on their social media like workout plans um, you know so that's a really good thing you can get recipes off social media you know which mm. makes them very accessible to a lot of people um, you know, you can get really good quality information, general health information and advice from following, um, you know, whether it be uh, doctors or other allied health professionals or, you know, um, or, you know public health organisations. So there are those good things, but we just have to be mindful that unfortunately on online there is a lot more bad stuff that is available to us. So we have to take charge of what we're seeing we have to take charge of how much we're using it um, to try and protect our physical and mental health 
Great. Yeah, they're very, very good good tips there. And so how can we take charge? Because I'm myself, I'm a, a confessed you know, social media, I'm on it all of the time. Um, a lot because it is a part of, of my job. Um, it's a part of the way that I run my business, but I also love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is quite addictive, but how can we be a little bit smarter nowadays in accessing the uh, relevant information? So sorting fact from fiction. Yeah, this is a really, really good question. I want to start by saying it's not easy. So if you feel like you've been duped or, you know, you read something and believed it, don't don't feel bad. Like it's it's it absolutely. is what it is. And also yes. don't feel bad for using social media because you're absolutely right. And I think particularly now it is a way that we're running our businesses, we're staying connected, we're getting information. So don't don't, you know, berate yourself for, for doing that. If, if we start by trying to look at how we can ensure that we're getting good quality information, so look at people's qualifications. Um, and I know that's not a safeguard completely because if I take doctors, for example, there are some doctors saying some really stupid things too. Um, mm. <laughs> but, you know, if someone is, uh, for example, a nutritionist or a dietitian and they are giving you um, advice on on foods to eat, then you can probably say it's it's likely to be safe um you need to to look at all these other like other things about who's telling you so do that if they are not qualified if they're an influencer a blogger um a chef you know whatever and they're giving you health advice and it's probably outside of their wheelhouse and you should take that with a grain of salt um if things are outside of accepted thinking now we know that science kind of progresses by people pushing the envelope sometimes but there are times when like if they are saying something that everyone else is going, nah, man, that's not right. <laughs> it's mm. probably not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and finally, I think it's also important to, to be um, – to be mindful if something sounds too good to be true, if they're promising miracles, it's almost certainly too good to be true. It's not true. Absolutely. And the other thing about is, is limiting our time and exposure. You know, we, it's important that we develop some media literacy, so understanding what we're seeing. Um, so if you take, for example, a picture of, let's just say, an influencer who's uh, uh, got a picture and they look gorgeous, they're by a pool and they're holding, uh, I don't know, like a, a drink, a, a smoothie or a, a tea or whatever it is. They, you need to look at that picture critically and sort of say, listen, what are they trying to sell me? What have they done to try and sell me this? You know, they've taken an attractive picture of an attractive person. They've edited it. They've lit it. They've done all these kinds of things. Are they being paid to promote it? Um, And how does that picture make you feel? So I'm a really big believer in curating your social media. So if you are following people who make you feel kind of bad, um, you can unfollow them and that that's okay. Or if you don't want to unfollow them, just don't interact with them either you know you, mm. you don't have to apologize for for protecting protecting yourself uh in the online space because no one else is going to do it for you and even if we wait for social media platforms or you know internet platforms or whatever to get on board it we're going to be waiting for a while <laughs> yeah. so, so because it's such a tough job to monitor and to try and right. have any type of control over these platforms absolutely. and making sure that they um won't be harmful it's going to take a while absolutely the sheer volume so we of have information to... is massive yes so what have you seen Mm, in the last couple of weeks that have made as made your blood boil 
Oh, lots. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, I think the, the number one thing is Donald mm. Trump telling people to drink bleach. I mean, oh. that's, yes. I mean, he's like really, you know, he's the best at telling stupid things. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've been seeing um, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of advice around COVID-19 at the moment, obviously. Um, people are saying, um, you know, you drink this, do this, whatever to protect yourself, you know, immune boosting um, and all that kind of stuff. That, that kind of upsets me because um, I think that it could attract vulnerable people. Um, and the worry is, and obviously this is the more extreme uh, side effect of, of that kind of information, is that it gives people a false sense of security. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that really upsets me. Um, I find people, um, I sort of find that people who are who are pushing um, uh, sort of weight loss agendas and body shaming agendas in the current climate to be, uh, I find that a bit distasteful. <laughs> I do um, too, really tone deaf in, yeah, this in, isn't a... in that this isn't a time to fear people into putting, you know, about putting on weight during COVID because mm. most people in the world have got thousand other things that are really concerning to them at the moment and trying to make money off um, people's fear of putting on weight I find I find really unethical and, yeah. and horrible and quite often I I now um, I do work up the courage even to let people know that that when I see people posting this stuff to try and profit Mm-hmm. Um and or or posting misinformation online and I do speak out when I feel I have the the um mental capacity to do it mm-hmm. uh, and it's really interesting that ninety nine percent of the time the response is always that they're not interested in in knowing they just they just think that the, what they're doing is fine and they're not interested unfortunately in yeah. understanding how their misinformation could be harming people yeah no I would agree with that 100% I think that there's a a bit of you know willful ignorance or um you know an extraordinary belief in their own yeah a lot of ego yeah hugely and and I think you you raise a really important point that it's not always a good time it's not always safe um to to say something so Mm. if you don't if you don't you know you don't have to go on a crusade um if you Mm. feel like you can say something then go for it um, but, you know, I think that it's very important, though, to use, um, particularly with the more extreme claims that we use, the reporting mechanisms um, yeah. either on the platform or, you know, in Australia, um, the TGA uh, has a reporting um, ability on their website. So if you see someone, for example, advertising, I'm just going to make something up here, um, uh, uh, well, there is a real example. A certain chef was trying to promote a machine that was fifteen thousand dollars that would apparently protect you from a um, from contracting um, COVID. COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and fifteen thousand dollars when most people in Australia have lost their job. Mm. Um, and and luckily the TGA have handed out a fine for that claim. And I'm, yeah. I did all. 
little happy day. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and there's been um, cases like that around the world, um, that the various, um, you know, the FDA in the United States, um, for example, um, you know, in the UK, there's a dedicated page for reporting COVID crap. Um, mm, so, you know, okay. I think it's really important that we, um, because I think a lot, what a lot of us tend to do, particularly online, is we see something that's stupid and dangerous or whatever, and we you know, we, we kind of make fun of it. And I think that's fine. Like, yeah. Go ahead and do yeah. that. But it's yeah. actually really important that we now, and I think we're seeing the consequences of that in the current climate, that we actually sort of say, listen, I'm, I'm yes. not going to take this. I'm going to report it. Um, yes. And, yes. And get these, these sorts of things um, under control. Yeah. And if the listeners would like to understand how to report a post that they um, feel may not be um, backed by evidence, for example, Mm -hmm. a diet or a shake or a a supplement, then just Google how to report an Instagram post and that will give you lots of information. It's actually really, really easy to do. It is Mm. easy to do. Um, Yeah. And uh, um, likewise, you know, depending on where you are in the world, um, you can also Google how to report a report uh, a supplement or a health claim and stuff like that so Mm. um so I think Nikki that you are quite amazing in what you've achieved in such a quite a short life so far (laughs) and I said to my husband I said Nikki has done so much and she's either like 60 years old but got no wrinkles (laughs) or she's just very young and just so determined um can you talk to us about how you came from being a young girl to where you are now? Yeah, so I had a, I had a bit of a weird, <laughs> a bit of a weird career path um, or life path, I suppose. So I wanted to be a heart surgeon when I was when I was just eight years old, actually, um, because I used to see Victor Chang, who was a Sydney-based surgeon. I used to see him on TV talking about how he was going to um, create a durable mechanical heart. So I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, And I told my family and my teachers that when I grow up, I want to be a heart surgeon and finish the work of Dr. Victor Chang. Um, Yeah, adorable. Uh, (laughs) uh, Precocious. Um, But I I got a bit sidetracked as a teenager um, and, you know, went through that phase of wanting to do, you know, everything like thought about law and journalism and um yeah all kinds of other uh different pathways but what I really wanted to do in high school was to um get into musical theatre I was going to study music at university and my dad told me that I had to get a real degree first because he wanted me to have a backup plan in case I didn't you know uh reach Broadway (laughs) um so I was going to be an accountant but I wasn't really that happy with it so what I um got got to the uh actually after year 12 and I was like I'm really not not that keen on this um and I decided that I I wanted to do something else and I couldn't quite work out what I was going to do because I thought I'd you know ruined my chances I hadn't worked hard enough I hadn't done the right subjects and and I ended up um choosing to study science because I sort of said to my dad I just I want to be a doctor um and I thought I'd ruined my chance but I studied science I started off studying science um doing like biochemistry and uh, anatomy and and exercise physiology and then I got to uh got accepted to medicine 
and I was always going to be a surgeon. So I started surgical training. It's a little bit different now to what it was then, but I started surgical training um, after um, after my intern year. Uh, and I love cardiac surgery. It's, you know, it's the best job in the world. But, you know, I, I, I have had, you know, successful career for sure. Like I've, you know, ticked some boxes and done some cool stuff and, you know, um, you know, had some great achievements. But I think it's also really important to know that people – People, uh, people's careers and people's life don't always take a nice, straight, neat line no. <laughs> upwards. And um, what I'm hearing also, Nikki, is that you really did at that time have quite a lot of self-doubt about yourself and your abilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hugely. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think I was smart enough. And I, I kind of, I, I underperformed in high school for sure. Like I just, um, I just got a bit distracted and, and, you know, then I got distracted and, you know, you sort of fall behind or you, you, you're not interested. And, um, you know, I so I didn't think I could do it. Um, and it's, you know, it was a real, for me anyway, I am quite motivated to, someone says to me I can't do something I'm like oh really okay I'll do it twice (laughs) (laughs) so it was a good opportunity for me to do that and and I think it was a little bit about showing myself as well um Mm. so I did have the ability I didn't I think when I was growing up I didn't have the interest I didn't have the self-belief um so you know that has all changed at the moment it was changed Mm. now sorry I should say um but yeah you know these these trials and tests you know they that's 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 kind of more normal than everything going amazingly well all of the time uh and you know it's really important to 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 know that in those moments you can recover from it um and you know I know in in my lifetimes where things haven't you know gone as well where I've had um you know fallen off my magical magical straight line of success mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah. that I've always used that as an opportunity to reassess what I'm doing for sure like think okay that that didn't work what else can we do um or what can we do differently um and also use that you know like I said I'm really motivated to to sort of prove people wrong and sometimes that includes myself um and and so I um I I sort of use those those failures I suppose even though I'm petrified of them to to you know be a motivator to to do better or, or um, you know, change things yeah. in the future. And when you go through these difficult times, do you tend to um, shut other people out and try and get through it on your own? Or do you lean on the people that are around you, even though it might be difficult to do that? Uh, a bit of both. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I'm lucky I have some really great support um, from my family and friends. Um, and I think I'm also lucky that I'm just stubborn. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that both both are important, uh, you know, for me anyway. Um, and for me, certainly, I know that I just, I'm so stubborn that I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get on and fix this. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, you're a great example that, like you say, you've, you've gotten to this place in your career, which is fabulous, but that has not been a straight line and, and, and there have been ups and downs. So hopefully if others are listening uh, on the podcast today and maybe experiencing one of those journeys where, can't see the the forest for the trees that you know it's 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 um it's a long it's a it's a hard slog isn't it to get Mm. where you want to go but keep that end goal in mind 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, now is a really difficult time for a lot of people and, you know, things will probably change, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> I think to linking this back to social media and when I introduced this podcast, you know, I see you as a person who is fierce and as I said, fabulous and is a heart surgeon. Um, and my daughter and I, we were looking at your beautiful dresses because that is stunning <laughs> and she's five and she loves all of that stuff. Adorable. But, but, but what we don't see on social media are those days, probably Nikki, where you've been in theater all day, um, mm. and you've had a really hard day, a really mm. hard month and mm. things haven't gone the way that you had wanted them to go. And, and so w- social media really is, a, is a highlight reel, isn't it? And, mm. At the moment, um, uh, our family are experiencing um, quite a difficult time at the moment and people see me posting TikToks online that are funny, you know, but there are also TikToks that I'm uploading that I shot a, a month ago, not necessarily now. Um, so I think it's really, really important for us to always keep in mind that social media isn't necessarily all of someone's real life and try not to compare our life to that of who we do see on social media. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can be both. You know, you can be that person on social media who's happy and successful and, you know, uh, looks awesome. Um, But you could also be that person who's, um, you know, got some serious bed hair. Um, We've all got regrowth at the moment, you know. (laughs) uh, um, You know, who's who's had trials and tribulations, who's failed, who's, you know, faltered. Um, You know, both things are true. And, you know, that, that's that's fine but you're right you do need to sort of it is a little bit about looking at social media with a bit of a critical and curious eye you know just mm-hmm. sort of thinking I wonder I wonder what else is happening or yeah. or you know just just be mindful of what you're consuming yeah yeah so I'm interested to talk to you as a cardiothoracic surgeon around about so saturated fat because mm. as a nutritionist, that's something um, that I keep up to date with on on the latest research that's coming out. Unfortunately, what I see a lot on social media are people who aren't qualified in nutrition or in health in any way starting to jump on the bandwagon (laughs) that saturated fat is suddenly all okay. We can eat as much of it as we want. Now, saturated (laughs) fat usually comes from the things like animal meats and uh, the fat on animal meat and coconut oil particularly. That's Mm. a huge trend in the wellness world. Mm -hmm. So, what is your what is your take on saturated fat and and how much of it we should be eating so one th- there are things in science where we know a lot about there are things we know a moderate amount about and there are things we're still really early days saturated fat and the effect on our health is one of the things that we know quite a lot about uh, and saturated fat intake the is really strongly associated with heart disease, uh, cardiovascular disease, um, some cancers, um, etc. So, you know, anyone saying that saturated fat is good and you can eat it with wild abandon uh, is not, that's not accurate. Um, so it is a trend. I've seen a lot, you know, that fat is back. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't understand is that there are different types of fats. So saturated fat um, is one type. Unsaturated 
saturated fats is another type and then there are subtypes of that all over again. Um, but there are some health benefits to some saturated fats. Um, so a good example of a saturated fat that's probably got some health benefits would be um, olive oil, um, trying to talk about foods rather than we, molecules. We'll clarify, we'll clarify there um, unsaturated fat, Nikki. Did I say saturated? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, right. sorry. I've got it in my brain now. No, you're right. Yes, yes sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, yes, olive oil is definitely an unsaturated fat. Um, and, um, you know, uh, other, you know, oily fish, really, really good for you. That yeah. contains a lot of omega-3. Yeah, and tasty, absolutely. Particularly in Australia, I think we are really spoilt with our seafood, aren't we? Mm. Uh, uh, so, so that 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 kind of upsets me that that is something that is um, uh, is trendy in, in nutrition at the moment. I, I actually find, look, I'm not I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I I keep up to date with nutrition science um, as best I can, but it, nutrition science is a science and a specialty and an expertise in and of itself um so it's not my place to to know and prescribe the nitty-gritty of nutrition to people um but you know it, it is i find it really really fascinating how nutrition is such a popular topic at the moment like everybody's trying to get a bit of the nutrition pie and i think the side effect of that is that we get these kinds of little pieces of advice like this um the you know that saturated fat is is actually good for you and you know you people you you health people you dietitians you governments you doctors da, 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 you you don't know what you're talking about you got mm. it wrong <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're like, which is crazy. Uh, we didn't get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> and so, then when you go and click on who they are, and you find out they're a hairdresser from New York, <laughs> knows more than all the experts. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, good example of sounds too good to be true, and outside of accepted thinking. Um, so outside of accepted thinking, it seems now that that almost is a qualification for being clever. What I find is that the more sort of kind of out there, but it could have a little bit of truth, you, you could make something, then people are intrigued with it because they think, well, I've never heard that before mm. and that's different to what I've been told. And so, wow, oh, and there's a few scientific terms in there. So, yep. wow, that must be the latest yeah. information because yeah. I haven't heard it before. Yeah, and I think that that, um, that it's important the way we communicate science. Um, and the the thing is about science, like I say, like if we talk again about saturated fats, um, that that is something that we we relatively know really quite a lot about. Um, but uh, there are still areas that we don't know everything about it. Um, there are there are always you can always find a scientific study that shows something different to to what to to what most other studies say and that can be for a lot of reasons you know it can just it can be an anomaly it can be a really poorly conducted study um and and that that is that is really important when we're evaluating how true or not true those kinds of statements are but you're right you know it is about being you know I've done my research I'm self-educated um and and therefore they they take 
you know, they can sometimes take something that has a grain of truth in it. Um, so, you know, let's say, just keep talking about fats, for example, um, dairy, you know, the fats in dairy and their effect on, on heart disease is really interesting. So technically a saturated fat, right, that you find yogurt and, or milk, um, not butter, Butter does not does not apply to butter, but you know, dairy, full fat dairy seems to have a negligible effect on on whether or not you're going to get heart disease. So, you know, th- those sorts of things that that has a nugget of truth about it, then gets blown out of proportion and completely misconstrued. And so, what's the latest research, I guess, on on dairy? Yeah, so for dairy heart is health. a really interesting, uh, interesting topic, and I think this is a good example where the science um, can then get misconstrued. So, dairy, um, mm. full fat dairy, so which contains saturated fats, um, has a negligible uh, effect on on heart health. Like it doesn't seem to cause heart disease. It's not necessarily going to magically protect you from it either. Um, so, and we used to think that, unfortunately, that the the saturated fat in in full fat dairy did contribute to um, poor yeah. heart health. But the latest research is showing that it doesn't really affect. That's that's that true. Um, the obvious exception for that is butter. Um, unfortunately, because I like butter. Mm. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it it it, it is. Um, I think that is a really uh, good example of where perhaps something can then get taken out of context so that could then get um promoted as i see saturated fats are good for you and you're like no those are very very yes. very specific types of saturated fats yeah. um, and also you're yes. probably not going to be consuming the volume of say full fat dairy um, in terms of calorie count and saturated fat content as you would for um if you had like a really fatty cut of meat um so again it's it's where it just sort of starts to get really complicated um and it's very hard to communicate those gray areas particularly if you don't understand them if you're the person communicating them and you don't understand them you can really screw it up um so that's why i Mm. i think that this the way that food for health is discussed um, it's very um, it's it's very oversimplified and sometimes overcomplicated both at the same time. So there's a lot of advice around mm. reduce your saturated fatty saturated fat intake, for example. Um, and <laughs> what's missing from that is mm. that we don't we don't eat saturated fat. We eat foods. So communicating in a in a way that is probably more useful may involve saying eat less fatty meat. If you're going to eat meat, make sure it's a lean cut. Um, you know, um, mm. look, look at that that as a, a different way to communicate rather than complicating the conversation by talking about, you know, macronutrients or micronutrients because that can be very confusing to follow um, and really open to interpretation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately you see the media and then the people on social media who don't have qualifications uh, such as your own or nutrition, for example, and they, they misconstrue 
these mm. studies. So all of a sudden they take the, the, the data that's showing that maybe full fat milk isn't as bad for our heart as we once thought, and that's got saturated fat in it. But then they then apply that and say, well, well that means coconut yeah. oil is fine, sat- it's full of saturated fat, add it to all your raw, vegan, tasteless <laughs> um, treats. And, and it's actually healthy for you now. And that's 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 the other end of the scale. It's an incorrect Yeah, coconut message. oil it really doesn't have a particularly beneficial effect on, on your health. Um, you know, I, I don't really use coconut oil. I maybe use it once or twice a year just for the taste on vegetables. Like, you know, I roast some veggies with coconut oil. Like I say, like once or twice a year um, I would may, maybe use that. Um, but, again, because there was a study, um, I think it was just like one study showing that coconut oil could um, maybe make your cholesterol cholesterol profile better. Um, that that then uh, was then led to coconut oil being called you know a superfood. Um, and the reality is is that mm-hmm. coconut oil doesn't improve your um, uh, your cholesterol profile in any beneficial way, really. Uh, so mm-hmm. so um, yeah. so that's you know it was just a, a a really classic way that the science was was misread and, and misreported. And you know look in fairness, it is it is really hard to talk about science in either on social media or in the lay media um, in a way that is it makes it understandable for other people, you know that um, mm-hmm. like, covers all the areas of grey and the caveats and the um, individual situations mm. and all the other bits and pieces that that are important to, to keep in mind when you're reporting on science. It's really hard to do that in 2,000 characters on Instagram or even in a 500-word article on a news site. So it's why, Absolutely. you know, when these headlines come up or these posts come up, um, they're pretty, they are sensationalised, they are, um, they are quick, they are rapid fire, and they don't give you the full full story. Um, it doesn't make them, you know, inherently bad. It just means that you just True. need to think about whether or not it's it's correct, if is it or is it applicable to you. And this is a really good example of what I like to call nutrition pop mm. culture. So just like Justin Bieber or Nicki Minaj, you know, where it's popular for a time and it follows a format and everyone jumps on board <laughs> and it has, they wear the same clothes and they want to, nutrition does follow the same trends. Um, and for a few years, it's coconut oil. For a few years, mm-hmm. it's low fat. For a few years, it's been high fat. And we have to be really um, a little more aware of that pop culture around nutrition and not just falling yeah. for it not and and being able to say actually you know what I don't I don't particularly um I don't particularly agree with that and just because my six other best friends are adding coconut oil to all their <laughs> smoothies I don't need to do that and that's okay for you to not follow or bulletproof trends. coffee you heard that one oh so stupid oh, like you just yeah. add like a knob of butter yeah. or coconut oil to your coffee like, so you get this massive saturated fat <laughs> yeah. load and a massive caloric load. Like, you know, if you really, if you yeah. really, you know, if you want to feel full and satisfied in the morning, you know, have a coffee, have it on full fat milk. Um, and then you've still mm. got, you'll still have the same amount of calories left, if, uh, you know, and you can have a yogurt yep. or cereal or toast or whatever, an egg. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you'll have your taste. Yeah, that's right. What? Yuck. And what do you think we could all do 
for our heart. Uh, it's really, really boring advice. It's not at all sexy. <laughs> um, and it's not... <laughs> Is that why you didn't write the sex and heart health book where you're in the scene? That's right. That's right. Honestly, I should have written, uh, I think I've said this before, I should have written a book called The Heart Surgeon's Diet. um, And I would have have sold so many more books. and you would have been I on probably Oprah would have, too. Oh, yeah, God. No, let's not talk about that heart surgeon. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like it would have been so much easier. But literally the advice that needs to happen is not sexy. Um, it's not exciting. Mm. Well, I think it's exciting, but I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's not It's not <laughs> magical. It is really literally the boring things. It is exercising 30 mm. minutes a day, um, you know, which are about 150 minutes a week. Um, it is, And anything, by the way, you don't have to do what's popular or what you see an influencer do. You can literally just walk. That's fine. Um, mm. Dance, do TikTok dances for 150 minutes a week. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> Yay! You're done. See, now I can tell my husband that my cut that that the doctor Nikki said that I'm allowed to do TikToking. Do you know what though? Like it probably yes. takes me about that long. I've tried to learn a few TikTok dances. It takes me probably yeah. about that long yeah. to learn them. So I'm like, that's my yes. <laughs> that's exercise. Yep. There you go. Um, there you, go. you know, <laughs> I, you know, eating a relatively healthful diet. So what does that look like? It looks like lots of fresh fruit and veggies or, or frozen. Veggies also fine. Um, so mm. fruit and veg, um, lean cuts of meat, fiber, um, you know, um, whole grains, helping of nuts, oily fish, uh, that kind of thing. Get get a good amount of sleep, mm. stress reduction. Really easier said than yeah. done at the moment, <laughs> um, but that's a really yeah. important way. If you smoke, don't smoke. Um, please stop, stop, stop that. <laughs> um, and you know, you yeah. can talk to your GP or your pharmacist to, to get some really good advice on quitting smoking. Um, you know, making sure that you understand your risk. So that can involve talking to your family to know if heart disease is something that runs in your family, but also talking to your doctor, mm-hmm. um, making sure that, you know, your blood pressure and your blood glucose and your cholesterol. Um, so that, that, that's, that's really the best things you can do to protect your heart. Like I say, it's really, unsexy <laughs> um there's mm. no way that gym shark's gonna sponsor that message um <laughs> but uh how does stress how does stress affect yeah, your really good question so there's probably some direct effect physical effects so whenever you know your mind and body are inevitably connected so stress can certainly over a prolonged period of time lead to changes like different you know hormones stress hormones being released like cortisol and adrenaline can increase your blood pressure can make your heart beat faster um it can um predispose to um uh, abnormalities in the way your body uses and abuses glucose so put you at risk of diabetes um, uh, it can also um, make your blood a bit thicker and clottier so we don't like that we like blood to throw, flow nice and uh, nice and neatly through our vessels but then there's mm-hmm. also the behavioral side of things I suppose you know sleep is a good example where that goes um, in both both camps um, so stress we all know that you know stress sometimes affects our sleep um so uh other psychological effects can include that you know when you're stressed you know you don't necessarily feel like doing those healthy behaviors you know exercise or you might reach for um you know foods that probably you know aren't aren't that great if you're eating them all the time or uh, you know Mm -hmm. cigarette smoking you know i know people who are 
who are smokers or have been smokers, you know, sometimes reach for a cigarette to help manage their stress or drugs and alcohol. Um, so there's sort of this sort of two, two-pronged approach that stress can cause disease um, and cause uh, ill health. So that's why stress management is a really important part of our overall health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the tips that you've given us too on being the manager of our own social media and the way that that makes us feel and then um, how we go about uh, our own body image and, and stress, that is very, very helpful because they could, those feelings that we have about our body could um, probably have a larger effect than the, than, you know, than the trying to quit mm, sugar and hugely. things like that. Managing stress and, and sleep is, is really, really very, Absolutely very true. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you very much for your time today, <laughs> Nikki. I've gotten um, a lot out of being able to talk to you. Please keep up the fabulous work that you're doing. And um, many of my followers have asked me to pass on that they think that you're wonderful. And thanks for sharing your journey, Aww, journey with us and all your that's great That's so advice. adorable. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, so go and go and um, go and glug some olive oil. And some, um, oily, oily fish. Oily fish. Eh? That is exactly what I'm having for lunch today. I've got a smoked salmon. Oh, ready. And I'll tell you to go to bed early. No, I, I don't have. I don't heart. have any trouble with that at the moment. <laughs> oh, good. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. awesome was that I'd like to take a moment to share something from me and that is I had been wanting to interview Nikki for quite a long time but that self-doubt crept in and every time I went to message Nikki I thought why would she agree to be on my podcast who am I you know she's got no time she's very busy woman um all those thoughts we all experience I guess and I was having a pretty hard day and I just thought what have I got to lose um and so I did it I sent Nikki a message it is something that I'd wanted to do for a long time because I felt that she had a lot of knowledge to share with so many people and I sent her the message and she agreed to come on the podcast and I feel like it's a little thing off my very small and manageable bucket list at the moment and being able to interview Nikki brought me a lot of joy and I learned a lot and so I would like to encourage you to reach out and do that thing that you really have been putting off because you feel that you aren't worthy or it won't turn out or you'll be embarrassed um just do it just just put it out there and and see how it goes because people might surprise you if you would like to know more about dr nikki and the wonderful work that she's doing you can follow her on social media just look for dr nikki stamp you can also head to her website where you can purchase her amazing books you can get her books also from any good bookstore or department store so they are called 
Can You Die From A Broken Heart? And there's another one on social media called Pretty Unhealthy. Alrighty, I'll leave you now while I'm still on a bit of a high from that wonderful interview. And please, if you can, I'd love it if you could give us a rating or leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. That would be wonderful. Stay tuned for next episode. Bye for now.